Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I am the founder of the Miller Law Group with offices in New Rochelle and in Manhattan, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce. And I'm here today with Dr. Eric Frazier, who is a child custody expert, I think, and a forensic evaluator based in Connecticut. And Dr. Frazier, welcome. And can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your practice? Thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be here. And like you, I I am also on a mission. Our company, Child Custody Analytics, was founded by myself and my partner and co-founder, Dr. Linda Smith. We're both forensic psychologists who've been practicing for about 30 years collectively. And we identified a problem and it drove us to the evolution of our company where we believe there's a solution for putting kids first and making divorce the modern divorce today, a child-centric one, and really coming up with a new solution that can really be innovative and forward-thinking and really meet the needs of families today that are going through divorce and really struggling with it. I so appreciate that. You know, for me, I started my mission as a matrimonial litigator, got divorced myself. And I had actually, when I first became a, it took me about a year and a half once I started working in the matrimonial field to take my first mediation training because I was like, hey, you know, there's got to be a better way. It's got to be a better way for families than what I had to do as a litigator in order to put my case on and the disconnect between my job and my clients' lives. And then when I got divorced myself about 10 years later, one thing that I'd realized was that in the litigation model, with everybody honestly wanting to put the children first, you can't. It's just the way the system works. People, the children get used in the negotiation. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather sell shoes than do that. And so I quit my job and I cast around for other things to do until I realized, hey, you know what? There really is something we could do to change how people divorce. And so I really appreciate your mission also. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm glad you're not selling shoes and that you're working on, on your collaborative mission. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the topic of litigation because if you think about it just in a very practical way, if you sit down with a parent and you ask them, do you really have a preference to fight over your children, right? If you think about other areas of law, they'll fight over land, they'll fight over money, they'll fight over property, they'll fight over a contract. But why would you fight over your children and put them in the middle of hostility and conflict. And it's really the legal system that has a model where you go to court, you present your case, you put it on as you eloquently put. And that's really a model. But, you know, what's happening in family laws, we're transforming. And, you know, once upon a time, kids were property. And then we moved on to the tenure years doctrine where, you know, mothers had custody and dads had a dinner, you know, on a Tuesday, you know, every other week, you know, something along those lines. And now we're really coming to a a broader, I think, and a more insightful understanding of what the best interest of the child standard really is. I think the irony of that is, you know, the best interest of the child standard, it's in every state, you know, there's factors that are associated with it. But if you look at the factors that the courts are looking at and what the design was really developed to be, they're really all psychological factors. Sure. 
And, you know, if and you, judges are the best people to figure that out. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, some of our most thoughtful judges in Connecticut really do a terrific job at, at breaking it down and really trying to help families think about putting kids first. And there's a really neat technique one judge did. I'll just put it as an anecdote because it speaks to parents' concerns. And you have a parent and they come in, they want to get divorced, and they have so much information to tell you. They're emotional. It's one of the most distressing periods of time in their life. And the fact of the matter is, as you know, that all of their concerns are going to get boiled down to maybe one, two, three, four, a dozen things that would get put into evidence in litigation. And then they have their divorce. They go through a terrible conflicted period, spend an inordinate amount of money, and their expectations weren't fulfilled. And it's completely dissatisfying for them. Yeah. I think that I actually think that most people don't come into a divorce wanting to fight about their kids. You know, and there are some people, of course, who have concerns. The way that the system approaches those concerns from a legal perspective instead of from a psychological or emotional perspective is broken. Right. And I've had judges on the show and certainly in my office tell me that they completely believe that families should find their own solutions, especially around their children. Right, right. Absolutely. And to your point that, you know, most people don't want to fight over their children, I agree with you that what happens, what I see in my office on a regular basis is they come in with a set of expectations, right? And those expectations are really their preferences. And it's their preferences that ultimately end up turning into conflict where there's misunderstanding. And that's really where, you know, we have stepped in with our company and come up with a platform of information. So everyone can be informed. Everyone can have the same information. We're really trying to democratize the child custody issues, the psychological issues, so that people can make good child-centric decisions about the thorny issues of divorce, which you know are parenting plans and parenting schedules, co-parenting issues, how you're going to do transitions, you know, all of those things. And armed with that information, kids can be kept at the center and parents can make better decisions and lawyers can do a better job at counseling their clients and keeping their expectations in check and helping them along the way. So I want to talk a little bit about how you do that. But first, I just want to back up for a second because we've been talking about the best interest standard. And I just want to be clear for our listeners that the best interest standard is a standard that a court uses to determine what the parenting arrangement should be. I really hate the word custody, too, so I was really pleased in some of the materials that you sent me to see that you also are, believe that I like to use people words for people problems, and I don't understand how using a legal word for people problem helps anything in any way. Right. So I just want to be clear that that's what the best interest standard is. No, that's helpful. And to that point, you know, when you think about divorce, divorce is a personal problem, right? It's it's a people issue. You know, it's a legal issue because it takes place in a courthouse and a building and gets memorialized in a separation agreement. But if you think about it compared to other areas of law, it's really a people issue. And that's unfortunately where the history of divorce has, you know, set a precedent and the status quo where we're, we're moving our way out of. But if you think about it, one way we like to describe it is thinking about sort of the triad of divorce. And the triad is you've got legal issues, you've got financial issues, and then you've got family issues. And our work is putting family back into family law and really making it the equivalent part of the equation that needs to be so there. That's the part, Dr. Frazier, that I wanted to come back to, which is, so how do you do that? Can you kind of walk us through the process of how you work in your office? I'd love to. So, you know, what we have on our platform is a set of information. And when we speak with lawyers, the first thing that we're saying is, you have a case, somebody comes through your door, and you get the information and you develop a legal strategy. 
you review the financial affidavits and you develop a financial strategy. And then what happens with the kids, right? And that's where our view is to make a divorce child-centric and to really keep the kids in the middle of this in a good way, in a positive way, where they, where you can have a shared custodial arrangement and there can be sort of a, a much more fluid transition for the children from being a intact family into a divorced family, you have to have a psychological strategy. So what's the starting place? The starting place is doing a thorough intake on child custody issues. So we developed a document, believe it or not, that most family lawyers don't have the kind of details that we have on how do you spend parenting time? What are the children's schedules and routines? Who does pickups? Who does drop-offs? You know, who is involved from birth to three? Who is involved in Little League? You know, all of these little things that are granular, but they're relevant when you're thinking about family, right? It's about the parent-child relationships. Back to the best interest standard, right? Almost every best interest standard in each state relies upon information about the preservation of the parent-child relationship. And that's what we really try well, to do. Well, I think do. what's great, it sounds like that the material that you've developed to help gather the information about the parenting is that it includes different aspects of parenting that parents might emphasize in a different way. So each parent, in my experience, tends to emphasize the importance of the work they do, right? Right. And more minimize, especially if there's a lot of conflict, the work that the other person does, sure. right? Yep. Although they will often acknowledge that the other parent is a good parent, right? That's my experience, right? Right. right. But they don't really understand what the other parent is doing and, and the importance of that in the child's life because they're not there for that mostly, right? Right. And so I love the fact that you have this sort of overarching well, and detailed look at everything that goes into parenting. Right. It's really critical. The shift is going from using psychological information, using child custody expertise proactively, right? The model right now is you go through the divorce and then if things get heated up, you go for custody evaluations, you hire your forensic expert, they spend a lot of money and you know it's a litigation model and then it, most of them don't end well. What about trying to use that information at the beginning and strategizing proactively and productively and helping your client have a more balanced view about what's best for the kids? And our belief and our experience is showing us that that's absolutely the better way to do it. It's what parents want and it's good for kids. So that's really what we're endorsing and, and hoping people will continue to adopt to think more productively about their divorce. That sounds really terrific. I want to remind our listeners that this is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm speaking today with Dr. Eric Frazier from a child custody expert from Connecticut. And we're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast on iTunes and on my website, www.westchesterfamilylaw.com. And Dr. Frazier, so what is it that you, you have the people fill out the information, you gather the information, and then what's the next step to help them figure out a parenting plan that's really going to work for their children? Yeah, great question. So just so it's clear to the listeners, you know, our platform is really designed for lawyers, although we do have client resource guides. So in essence, what the family lawyer does is they, they start their case and they gather this information. And now it's time to think about how they can use that information proactively. So one of the pages in our in our intake, for example, it includes all kinds of issues. So it could be young children, special needs children, concerns about domestic violence, if you think your spouse has a drinking problem. So it gets to the heart of all of the A to Z psychological issues that may be present in a case. So let me just ask you one sec, because I'm not sure I totally understand this. Are you saying that a lawyer would bring you in and then you would work through the lawyer's office or would you meet directly with the parents or both? 
Right. So in my private practice, I would be meeting with parents. I might be, you know, consulting with a lawyer. But with our business, Child Custody Analytics, it's an online platform, right? So it's just like for lawyers, there's LexisNexis for legal research, and they have financial software for number crunching and doing child support. Now they have a tool, a legal technology tool for all of this information. And we coach them, we coach the family lawyers how to use this information and integrate it into every single case that's involving children so they can take that proactive approach. And so that they would just have their clients fill in this information directly online. Yes, exactly. So they'll download forms, they'll download documents. I'll give you a really really easy example. So, you know, one of the questions that often comes up is, you know, how do we organize the information, right? Family lawyers are constantly getting inundated with information. Clients come in with, you know, bags full of information. They may have digital documents, but it can be a, a difficult process because it's how do you organize that in a meaningful way that's relevant to the case? Like, how do you organize your concerns? So we have an abundance of documents called case organizers, which help parents organize their concerns, list them out, put them in a chronological format, provide supporting inf- evidence and information. That positions the lawyer to be able to understand what the client's need is and to act on it proactively. And that acting on it proactively could mean giving the client some information. They may need, may need some education and maybe doing a little bit of debunking of myths, right? So specifically like something like parenting plans and overnights, like what are realistic expectations about that? And then it helps them really, again, stay focused and on center for really staying on a settlement track and a collaborative track versus a litigation track. And so it's really information that the lawyers get. And that it sounds like that the software or website allows parents, to, draws parents out about these kinds of concerns and helps them kind of walk through. And sometimes I think when you walk through and you really think through the things that are coming up for you, either they turn out that the issues turn out to be in different places than people originally thought. Absolutely. You know, it gets to the heart of the matter with all, you know, people's biases and stereotypes and preferences. And, you know, let's face it, you know, divorce is one of the most emotionally difficult periods of time. And, you know, each parent is facing the dilemma of trying to put on, you know, their best presentation as a parent. They're trying to, you know, vie for what they believe is best. And sometimes that judgment can be clouded a bit, right? And not for malice. And having information can help, you know, dilute some of that and get people back on track. You know, even things like basic things that they may be going through, you know, down the road, like having a blended family. How do you know when to introduce the partner if you're going to start dating again? How do you think about, you know, having a blended family and how do you communicate that to the children? What if you're a military family and, you know, you've got a spouse who's coming back from a deployment, you know, what would you do in that particular situation? So we've got real good high-quality, research-informed instructional guidelines for the lawyers, for the parents, again, so they can work collaboratively and the the family lawyer's position to truly be a counselor at law armed with the best information they can to empower their client, validate their feelings, but again, you know, again, advocate for them the the best that they can. So, Dr. Frazier, if we have listeners out there who are parents thinking about or in the middle of a divorce, is this something that they could access on the internet? They certainly can. So the URL is childcustodyanalytics.com. But the real thing that they should do is, and, and we've had a number of clients, you know, come to us, is get this information to their lawyer. Let them know that it's available. You know, we're a new company. We've been around two and a half years. And most lawyers don't know about us yet, quite frankly. And, you know, they're struggling to find those resources. And as soon as they find out that it's available, you know, it's a terrific match because it immediately solves problems, right? You don't have to go through 
The angst of trying to find an expert, it saves time, it saves money, and it gives answers and solutions immediately. Clients feel more understood. And when they feel understood, it becomes a collaborative divorce, right? It becomes a good divorce, you know, and again, good for kids, good for a family becoming, going, transitioning from an intact family to a divorced family. Yes, I'm a huge believer in enhancing understanding and that so many things really disappear as issues when people understood and feel, understand each other better and feel more, more understood. It really makes a big difference. It makes all the difference and it helps people, you know, knowledge is power, right? But knowledge can, can be everything too. And knowledge can be very disarming for people that are stuck on an issue or not feeling listened to or feeling misunderstood or, you know, maybe feeling wronged emotionally and they may be justified for it and they need to be validated for that. And once they are, they're able to move forward. So having that information, you know, and having the lawyer with the information, you know, can really make all of the difference. So a few minutes ago, you said, Dr. Frazier, that your program helped debunk some myths. Can you share with us what some of those myths might be, sort of the common myths that people have about parenting through divorce? Well, you know, I think there's a lot. You know, a real hot topic right now is, I'm going to get right to a thorny issue. A real hot topic right now is parental alienation, okay? There is so much misinformation out there on parental alienation, it's obscene. And, you know, this is the world that we live in. We're in a technology revolution, right? All you have to do is search, click, and you've got information. And the injustice that this does is people have access to all of this information, but they don't know what's relevant. They don't know what's truly scientific. They don't know what's been validated. They don't know the difference between an opinion and a psychological study right? And this doesn't, I see this all the time, this, you know, this misinforms parents, it misinforms lawyers, it misinforms the courts. And decisions, and sometimes very bad decisions, are born out of that. So... Can you give us an example? Well, absolutely. So I think when what happens, and and, and this is a repeated example, so I, I hope this is helpful to people listening, that, you know, when you go online and you search for parental alienation and you get your results Whatever's on page one doesn't mean that's the answer, and it doesn't mean that's the truth. And there's a whole lot more to alienation than simply a child rejecting one parent over the other, right? There's there's a whole complexity of family systems, of developmental issues, of family history, of conflict in the marital relationship, and those are all dynamic factors, right? Those are all moving parts. And what may seem to be alienation or what may have been one particular event of one particular alienating behavior isn't that wild card that belongs in a divorce case that turns into a divorce battle. Yeah, I think parental alienation is a very hot button issue. It is right now in New York. It's become kind of a super factor, you know, for judges making a decision about parenting. And and it, it seems like one really needs to take a lot of factors into account on a more equal basis. Absolutely. And and again, it's back to having solid information. It really doesn't take a lot of time to be informed about this. But what matters most is having the right information, right? If you don't have all of the comprehensive information on a particular subject, whether it's relocation, whether it's gatekeeping issues, whether it's drinking, whether it's alienation, right? If you only have one piece of information and you focus on that, you're going to have a biased conclusion about it. Yeah. So, Dr. Frazier, just in your experience, in your in your practice of working with families with children going through divorce, what do you think are some of the, maybe the one or two, and having what you just said, maybe sort of counteracts this question, but what do you think that really parents should focus on and that might be 
I mean, I think it's sometimes challenging, but what do you think are some of the most important things for children as they go through divorce? Yeah. It's a wild generalization, I know. No, it's a, it's a really important question. And it, this could be another whole separate program. But I think, you know, if there's one thing that I would tell parents just in response to that question, it would be sit and think about your children. And what I mean by that is specifically think about your children's strengths, your children's weaknesses, your parenting contributions to each child, and their developmental needs, right? Children are individuals, and that individuality sometimes gets lost in the package of divorce. So, you know, more specifically, what I mean by that is really taking inventory about, you know, what's good for, what's a good parenting schedule for your four-year-old is not probably going to be a good parenting schedule for your 12-year-old. If you've got children of different genders, you know, what works with your daughter isn't going to work with your son, you know, what works with your mother and your son is not necessarily going to be what works with the father and the daughter. And if parents can really focus on the preservation of those relationships with the children and focus on the quality and not just the quantity of time with these relationships, it makes all the difference. It's a hard exercise to do because it, it means relinquishing thinking about parenting time and having a parenting plan that you know matches up with what a parent's preferences are. If you really think about the experiences that children recall, it's about the quality of time. You never hear a kid saying, that was the best seven and a half hours I ever spent with you, right? They care about the experience, whether it was the ball game, whether it was going to ballet, whether it was going to, going to the school on a particular school event, right? The time is less relevant to kids. Time is relevant to parents. I think it's really interesting. I think what you're saying is really the most important thing is to focus on parenting, not divorcing. Right. And that it's not a com competition over who gets them for what amount of time. And it can be so easily seen that way. And, and it's very complicated and, you know, sort of multi-layered, I think. But I think for parents to feel that somehow the parenting plan reflects their value as a parent or their value in the marriage, when it really doesn't have anything from the kid's perspective, it has nothing to do with that. From the kid's perspective, it's about my parents, right? And it's about my time. You know, I mean, kids sometimes will say, you know, what do you mean it's your weekend? It's my weekend, right? right? It's right. not your weekend, right. right? you know? And that's such a poignant indicator, you know, demonstration of how sometimes children can be objectified. Absolutely. And that, you know, brings us almost full circle to, you know, really coming across and engaging in a divorce with a child-centric perspective, right? And keeping the kids first, being proactive, doing it differently than, you know, taking a position or establishing a set of preferences and not being willing to show some flexibility with that. There's time, Catherine, if I can give it, you know, one other pointer on a proactive basis, it would be this topic of co-parenting, you know, so in many instances, we see co-parenting taking place later, you know, in the divorce process or even afterwards, right? It's wait, we get the family divorced and then, you know, send them to co-parenting to continue to work out their differences. You know, I would advocate for, you know, having a good divorce might require having co-parenting from the onset, right? Establish those good communication patterns, figure out what the differences are and in preferences and find ways to compromise. And that's a practice that's going to serve the children as well. I completely agree with that. Dr. Frazier, before we end, if people have questions for you and want to contact you directly, would you mind giving your contact information? And maybe you could repeat the URL. Oh, I appreciate that. Childcustodyanalytics.com. And we can be reached at manager at childcustodyanalytics.com. We take questions. We take inquiries. 
We can get information to your lawyers, but really it's, you know, this is a mission. This is about doing divorce better. And it's about putting kids first. It's making the entire experience a much more collaborative process. And the more people know about it, the better. So it's really about that. Great. Thank you for that. And then just in the last few minutes that we have, you know, is your experience that you haven't been, you haven't had your company going for that long, but do you think people use the program on an ongoing basis as they continue to co-parent through the years? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, even as a post-judgment family, there's information that's valuable because families change, right? Kids grow up, people get remarried, blended families take different, uh, take on different identities. And, you know, there's always information that's helpful. Yeah, I really think that that's true, that that continuing evolution. Thank you very much for being our guest today on Dialogue on Divorce. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.